Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, tonight I've got something that the Lord put on my heart a couple of weeks ago, probably a little more than that. And ever since then, I've just been hearing bits and pieces, little snatches of things coming from the pulpit of what of what I had already been looking toward. And I think, well, now, Lord, you're just setting us all up for um, for something that you're trying to get across. You know, when God does that, you know, there's because it's something important. It's because something it's something He wants you to hear. He wants you to to receive. He wants you to get it solidly down in you. Because there's reasons for it. And um, so tonight, you know, I just, I'm just expecting God to be able to uh, use me to say what he wants to be said. Because I, have a, I just have just real just stirring in my heart that this is something of some major importance to, to you as individuals and to us as a church. And uh, you may not think so during part of it, but that's okay. If you're open... And you're receptive to hearing what God has to say, then I believe you know it'll accomplish exactly what it's supposed to accomplish. But um, I want you to know right up front that I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you about this. All right. So we're coming up to the end of the year, and and generally it's about that time of year when we start talking about the the coming year. And so I want to just start off by asking you this question: Do you want 2018 to look like 2017. Some of you are shaking your heads. No, let me take my my reading glasses off so I can see you a little better. Some of you are shaking your head no, and some of you are going, hey, it was a great year. Hey, all right, you know. But do you really want it to look, even if it was a good year, do you want it to be the same as 2017, or do you want it to be better? I mean, there are, there, are some, there are some things. I mean, some of us, you know, would like to just move on and just forget about and, and just put that behind us. And God, I know, I know Kendra is like, okay, 2017, it was a year of victory, but I don't want to repeat it. <laughs> you know, I understand that. I mean, I've been there before. It's like it was, a, you know, when it's all said and done, I mean, it's, it's grand and glorious what God has done. But can we not do that again? You know, that, that kind of a thing. Uh, but, you know, in the middle of even those kind of years, you know, you look at what you've learned from it, how much you've grown from it, how much God has just blessed you and watched over you and cared for you and sustained you and provided. And, and you look at it and you go, well, thank you, Jesus. And you know what? We, if we approach everything in our lives, good, bad, and indifferent, with a heart of thankfulness and a heart of gratitude for what God has done and is doing in our lives, we see the future as something wonderful. We see what, what we've been through as, as, okay, fine. You know, that's what happened, and let's move on. You know, I've got something grand and glorious waiting for me ahead, and if there's something in my future that's not so great, I'm well able to overcome. I am well able to come out of it victorious. I am well able. Hallelujah. Well, you go into the next year looking at that, but do I want 2007, even if it was a good year, do I want it to look like this same thing at the end of 2018? No, I don't. But here's what something the Lord told me. The biggest requirement to moving forward in God 
and seeing your desires come to pass and to see his plan for your life fulfilled is to keep a clean and pure heart. Every year, the President of the United States in January gets before Congress and he makes what is called the State of the Union Address. I'm calling this the State of the Heart Address tonight because that's really what it's all about. It's about the state of your heart. There are so many things in our lives that are affected by our heart. Yeah, that was a big amen. And I just hope I can get this across to you, what God has been telling me today and what he's been telling me for the last two weeks. You know, but, but when it comes to your heart, you have to, number one, be realistic about the condition and the state of your heart. You have to own it. You have to see it. You have to go, yes, sir. You have to say, I see some things that are good, and I see some things that maybe need some work. You have to be realistic about it, and you have to be ready to do what you need to do to change those things that need changing. You know, anybody who drives a car, flies an airplane, does anything with mechanics, does anything with any kind of equipment, but especially things like cars and airplanes, they're constantly checking on things, constantly monitoring things, gauges and speed, and you're looking at your mirrors, and, you know, I mean, I'm not a pilot, but I know there's all kinds of, of gauges and things all over the, the interior of that cockpit that you have to constantly keep an eye on your altimeters, you know, and all these different things, wind speeds, and where your flaps are, and, you know, all that, and that's how they stay in the air. That's how when you're driving a car, you stay on the road is by constantly adjusting what needs to be adjusted, by constantly being aware of your surroundings like the deer coming across the road. I don't know how many times, you know, the Lord has just quickened me to slow down or look or, or something going home when we lived out on 236 because it, and many times I, I've seen a deer flash across in front of me and thought, I don't even know how I missed them. Don't know how I'm, but you've got to keep aware of that. They used to call, you know, driving, they talked about defensive driving. It, and it was really was just being aware of your circumstances, just being aware of what's going on around you. Well, for your heart to stay in the place that it needs to be, you must stay continually aware of what's going on in your heart. And not minimize in your own thinking that it's either of great importance or of little importance. Listen, even the little things are important. And it's the little things. I mean, it says, and, and I'm going to probably jump around all, all over some of my notes here. Because, you know, sometimes it's just the little things that get us into the most trouble. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it talks about the little foxes that spoil the vine. And if you want to go over there real quick, I just was, just a couple of points I want to make about that. We just think sometimes that just little, little issues in our heart, they're, they're, just, they're just not that big a deal. 
but they are a big deal. Song of Solomon, which is not a book we ever turn to very often, but in chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. You know, when you start thinking about the, the foxes spoil the vines, well, what's the vine got to do with it? Well, the vine is what bears the fruit. You know, but literally, in the New English Bible, it says, it says in that part where it says, for our vines have tender grapes, the New English Bible says, when the vines are in flower. Now, if you know anything about growing anything that produces fruit, you know that the flower appears first. The flower is the forerunner of the fruit. As the flower begins to blossom, you know, it, it, it's out there for the bees to pollinate. And then here comes that fruit. You ever seen a, a, a tiny little orange beginning to, to grow on an orange tree? It's just this little bud. But just as so many of us have found out in the state of Florida, just when you think winter is over, you know, you can find yourself with a hard freeze that will kill the flowers that are... I, I, I tell you what, I was aggravated every year we lived at our old house because it seemed like every time my dogwood started to bloom, and I'm thinking, oh, they're going to be gorgeous this year, we'd have a, some kind of a late freeze, and it just stunted anything else there at all. But I'm telling you, when it's, when it's a, a fruit-producing tree, a fruit-producing shrub, the most, the most delicate time for that process to be interrupted is when there's flowers on the tree, when there's flowers on the vine. And in our lives, that is the beginning of the manifestation of the blessings that God wants in our lives. He's trying to produce something in us, through us, or for us. And yet, if we get to a place where we don't address these little foxes, then the flowers get destroyed, and we never see the fruit that God intended for us to see. We'll never have it. And that fruit is not replaceable. Now, you've got next season to have a new crop, but you'll never see that crop. That crop is lost. That crop is gone, never to be seen again. And who's to say that it might not have been the best fruit that would have come off that tree? Next year's is good, but would it have been as good as that? Thank God there's always another season. But do we realize sometimes how much we've lost in a season because we didn't address some little matter of the heart? And that little matter of the heart caused our fruit to be destroyed before it could even begin to be seen. Those little foxes. Those little foxes. And we just dismiss them out of hand, thinking, oh, well, it's, it's no big deal. It's nothing. But the state of your heart is an important thing to God. You know, in 1 Samuel 13, when, when uh, God sent Samuel to Saul to tell him the kingdom's been taken from you, he told him, he says, the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. God had already found David. And he was, he was having the prophet inform Saul that I've already found me somebody who will follow me because your heart's not in it. 
I found me somebody who... And then over in Acts 13, it talks about David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. See, God's looking for somebody who has his heart. And to have his heart means that, we, means for, that we're going to have to be mindful of the state that our heart is in. We're going to have to be mindful that it looks like God's heart at all times. We have to be mindful of the fact that we keep it clean and we keep it pure so that God's able to manifest himself through us in whatever he wants to do. You know, in Jeremiah 31, 33, it says, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. Given the opportunity, God will write a whole bunch of things in your heart. And he doesn't want our attitudes and things that, that, that aren't right to come in and erase them. I mean, basically, sometimes it's like using whiteout, you know, on there. But he, I mean, you can't see it anymore. You can't, you can't see clearly. You can't think clearly. You can't, you, can't, you can't discern anything anymore because what he's written there has just been obscured. It's been obliterated by our actions sometimes. But see, God wants to write things on our heart. But he needs a good, clean slate to put it on. Not something that's all messed up and jumbled up and, and just a, a, a total mess. You know, but, and, and it's, it's important. And if you're listening, God's talking to you. If you're listening with an open heart, with an open ear, with a, with a, a willingness to hear what he's got to say, he will help you discover the things that need to be dealt with. And he'll help you discover what needs to be changed. And he'll help you do the changing. Thank you, Jesus. It's God that causes me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Isn't that what the Philippians says? He's the one who puts in me the desire and the will to do what he's asked me to do. And, you know, uh, over in Hebrews, go over there. Hebrews 4.12. Sometimes we just, we just think, well, it's just, it's just really... Um, I, I really don't think that. I, I really don't. I'm, I'm, that's not really me. I mean, da 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 da. But it, it, he, listen, we're going to have to be honest here. And if you're honest, you can go to the Word and you can let the Word do its job. And what the Word will do is that it, it will open up a window for you to see clearly into, so that you see exactly what the what the issues are. And here in verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh, is it just so easy just to just kind of bypass thoughts is it easy sometimes just to say, oh, you know, oh, that's really not the motive. That, that's not really my motives. But let me tell you, the 26 translations, I went and got that out. And I began to look at all the di different things that were said by these different translations of the Bible. It says, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Rotterdam translation says, and is able to judge the impulses and designs of the heart. Weymouth says, and it can discern the secret thoughts and purposes. Sometimes we think nobody knows, and maybe nobody does, but God does. 
what you think is secret. See, that's what, that's what gets some people in trouble, even people in ministry, is that they compartmentalize their lives so that the outward man is one thing and the inward man is... But this little area right here is kind of like off limits to God. It's my own private little domain, and I, I kind of hide things, tuck things in right there. But see, nothing is hidden from God. Nothing is hidden. Another version, um, 20th century says, and detecting the inmost thoughts and purposes of the mind. Scrutinize, Moffat says, scrutinizing the very thoughts and conceptions of the heart. The New English says, it sifts the purposes and thoughts of the heart. Williams says, and passing judgment on the thoughts and the purposes. Another, um, another one is, and is skilled in judging the heart ponderings and meditations. And then the Phillips translation says, it exposes the very thoughts and motives of a man's heart. That's what the word will do. And I think sometimes that's the reason some people don't, don't get into the word is because they don't want to find out what God's got to say. Because once you find out what God's just got to say about something, now you're responsible for it. And he holds you accountable for what you know once you've heard. And so some people think, well, it's just better not to know. Listen, when you have access to this, you still don't have an excuse. You say, well, I didn't know. It's because you chose not to know. It's because you chose not to find out what God had to say about a certain situation. You didn't pray about it because you didn't want to know what God had to say. You didn't read the word because you, it would be clear in the word what his will is. And you don't want to hear that. I said, I'm talking to me tonight just like I'm talking to you. Paul over in 2 Corinthians 6.11 and Pastor Greg was talking about this on Sunday night a week ago. Wasn't that wonderful? If you were here, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And he talked about how the fact that he, he was talking to the Corinthians, he says, I've come and I've spoken openly to you. And one of the translations that Pastor Greg had used, it said, I was brutally honest in love. And I thought, I couldn't find that translation. I'm thinking, well, I just, thank God I wrote that down in my notes that night. But, but Paul had to be brutally honest with the, with the Corinthians. They needed somebody to say to them what needed to be said. Because obviously they weren't doing it for themselves. They weren't listening to the Holy Ghost that was on the inside of them. They weren't listening to the, to the written word that they had. But here comes Paul. And he said, I've been brutally honest with you in love. And, and in the Phillips translation of, of verse 12, it talks about any stiffness between us must be on your side. For we assure you that there is none on ours. Paul was trying to make it clear to them that he loved them and he only wanted what was best for them. I heard somebody talk one time, and I don't even know who it was, was talking about their father. And had said that when they were growing up and he had to punish them for something that they had done and they had been told not to do, you know, he, he got them to the place where they were, they were in a habit of saying, Thank you, Daddy for loving me enough to correct me. Now, wouldn't that be a great attitude for us to have? Thank you, Daddy, for loving me enough to correct me. And see, some people 
you know, they'll take correction only if it comes from a certain source, from a certain person, in a certain way. But when correction comes, you know it. I mean, your heart goes, mm. You're, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your, your, your face may not give that away. Your actions may not give it away. But on the inside, you go, ouch. But you know what? That's when we should say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. Because that's what he is, Daddy. He's Abba, Father, Daddy. Thank you, Daddy, for loving me enough to correct me. Doesn't matter who said it, whose mouth actually spoke the words. It doesn't matter what writings that you were reading that actually enlightened you to that. It doesn't matter the way it was said. See, sometimes people just have an attitude issue with the way something was said. They can't get past the way it was said to hear what was said. I've had to go back and repent to my children. I've had to repent to my husband. I've had to repent to other people at times because what I said was accurate, but the way I said it was wrong. But see, if you're going to hold that against somebody, you'll never hear what they said. I'm not the only person, you know, that that, that would apply to. You know, and, and so I want you to know that God's wanting to help us. When, I mean, I, I just, I mean, I almost just, just in my heart tonight, just getting up here, I just, I was just like, I just want to get this out, Lord. I just, I just know it's important. I know there's something vital that has to be, that has to be seen, that has to be shared, that has to be, that has to be spoken tonight. And I just want people to understand and receive it the way it's supposed to be received because you're trying to help us. You're just trying to help. That's all it is. You know, some things in our lives that need to be changed will be major and some will be minor. But don't discount the importance of the minor. Don't discount it because it's the little things that lead to the big things. And it's, and it's dealing with the little things that help us move toward dealing with the big things. You know, it's kind of like the person who's just like in debt over their heads. What the, and they come to sit down with me and I'm going, okay, what you need to do here is forget about the thing that you owe 10000 to. Let's, let's deal with the, the, the bill that's only $100. Let's get that one paid. And then we take that money that you were using to pay that one, and we apply it to the next biggest one. And then we take that money, and we apply that to the next biggest one, and we eventually get to the $10,000 one. Because we dealt with all the little ones first, then we started making some real progress by knocking those things off. You think, yeah, but I need, the big ones the, is the important one. Listen, the little ones are the important ones too. Because if you can't deal with the big ones, let's start with the ones I can deal with. There was a lady who came to Dad Hagen one time, and she said, Brother Hagen, I need you to pray for me. I hate my mother-in-law. Don't anybody, you know, say, I understand. I got a similar issue. And he looked at her, and he said, you, what you need to, he said, no. He said, you do not hate your mother-in-law. He said, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. The fruit of the Spirit is love peace, joy. And he said, you do not hate your mother-in-law. He said, from now on, every time you think about your mother-in-law, you need to say, I love my mother-in-law. Will you do that? And she said, yes, sir, I will do that. And so she began doing that. And a few months later, he came back to her and said, so 
what's happening? He said, she said, you know what? I actually do love my mother-in-law now. See, she had to deal with one thing at a time, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. I, uh, I've had this great illustration in mind for a long time, and I kept thinking, now, Lord, when can I use it? Because, because it's not one you're going to forget. I don't think you're going to forget it anytime soon. <laughs> but let me just put it this way. Um, this is a, this is, some of you will, will have a little more empathy for me than others because some of you are guys and some of you are gals, and this is a gal thing. But uh, it applies to you just as well. And so as, as ladies, as we get older, some things start, start growing where they shouldn't be growing. These little hairs, these little, little dark hairs, you know, on your chin, you know. And, they, and you, and you kind of go, where did that come from? And so what I found out in the last few years is you pull those little suckers out. And, and, and after a while, they turn gray. But they're still there. And uh, so the thing about it is, those little hairs on that, on that chin right there, you can feel them if you're, ch- if you're checking long before anybody sees them. There are some things happening in your heart that you can feel yourself if you're checking long before anybody else sees them. Mm-hmm. And there's some those little those little boogers that are so stubborn that you pull them out, and a couple weeks later they're back. There are some things in your life that you deal with it one day and you think you've got it lit, and a few weeks later they're back. Don't give up. You keep plucking those suckers out because one day you either one or two things is going to happen. You're going to finally get the root of that thing once and for all, or it's just going to stop growing because it's been, it's been violated so many times. <laughs> See, the kind of things the enemy brings into your life that don't belong there, you need to violate those things and keep violating them until they don't occur anymore. And some of the times it's going to be major work. But if you'll keep check on those things, a constant check, you will immediately feel it when it starts happening. And you can deal with it right then. You know, I found out the best thing to do was to go find me a fine surgical pair of tweezers to get those little things out long before before I can even see them hardly. See, the word will do that for you. It'll become a fine set of surgical tweezers for you to pull those things out of your heart before it has an opportunity to grow. It says that it's a, it's a what did it say over in um, Hebrews? That it's a two-edged sword? Piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrows. That's what the word needs to become to us. It needs to become a fine surgical instrument that we can get rid and cut out if we have to, pluck out whatever it requires 
out of the things that are trying to take root in our heart. And get the thing out. Keep at it until it's gone so that it won't return again. You've licked that thing once and for all. It's not going to return. Amen? You know, and so there are, there, there are motives that we need to deal with. There are attitudes we need to deal with. And you go, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Yes, I keep going back to that. Some of you are thinking, it's not that big a deal. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It only takes one or two things. I mean, I, you know, having had cancer years ago, you know, and I, and I was, I, I felt like God had told me that surgery would take care of it. And when I got the final diagnosis, the final reports was, yes, it was cancerous. And, and, and they surgically took all this thing out. But there were some involved lymph nodes. Listen, there are some things that, that seem small. One positive lymph node not dealt with can lead to tragedy can lead to a shortened life. Listen, some small things in your heart that aren't dealt with can lead to tragedy because it will eventually grow into something that will shorten your life, that will steal the blessings of God from you in a big way. You know, one of them, one of the things you need to be careful about is offense. I'm telling you what. If there's anything that the enemy wants to do is he wants to, d- to divide people. Whether it's spouses, whether it's fathers and children, whether it's just family members, whether it's church members. One of his biggest areas of influence is through the use of offense. Now, if you go to Webster's, there's a whole lot of different little synonyms for offense and being offended. And you can, you can minimize it all you want to in your mind, but I'm telling you what, all that you can call it what you want to call it, but it's offense is still offense. So how about some synonyms? When I'm upset with somebody, I'm offended. Call it what it is. When I'm annoyed with somebody, I'm offended. When I'm huffy with somebody, I'm offended. When I'm resentful towards somebody, I'm offended. When I'm aggravated with somebody, I'm offended. When I'm miffed with somebody, I'm offended. When I'm hurt with somebody, I'm offended. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, Love is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Well, now, Pastor Angela, that, that's, you know, that's some harsh words. Well, let me give you another one. It's not sensitive either. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not easily offended. I'm just sensitive. No, you're not. You're easily offended. <laughs> Call it what it is. If you don't, the devil will continually deceive you into thinking you're not offended. But you are. If you're not touchy, go back and, and pull out 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified. And you just read it and read it and read it and read it. And you go, man, this will, this will change the way I deal with people for a long time. Yeah. Now, Psalm 1911. Go over there. Psalm 1911. 
Offense is a huge, huge thing. And yet we seem to think that we're only offended when it's a major to-do. Offense comes in little packages. And it takes baby steps along the way until it's ready for a full-out run. Psalm 19, verse 11, it says, that's not it. Ah, man, where is that? Again, I thought I had proofed all of my, all of my verses I wrote down here. It is, it says, it is good sense to be forbearing. Ah, Oh, man, i got to find that. Oh, I'm sure it's Old Testament. Hallelujah. This is important. And I had some notes written in my Bible. Okay, I'll find it later. <sighs> Sorry. Anyway. It says, it talks about that it's good sense for a man to be forbearing with other people. Why is it good sense? Because it's going to cost him if he doesn't. It's going to cost you. It only makes sense to walk in forgiveness towards somebody. It only makes sense just to decide not to be offended. It only makes sense that I will not allow myself to be drawn into conflict and strife because it's going to cost me if I don't. It's going to cost you. I mean, I've told you this story before. The day I was at home on a Saturday and, and I just, just, just aggravated. Just, I was just aggravated about everything. And so I just decided I'd get out of the house and just go down, go into town and, and return this, this movie, you know, to the red box that cost me a dollar and a half instead of, instead of keeping it an extra day and, and dropping it off on the way to church the next morning. No, I'm just going to go to town. Holy Ghost told me on the inside, don't go. And I did it anyway because I was just, I was aggravated, offended over nothing, but offended. And see, that's the problem with so many people is they get offended over nothing. It's nothing. It is not important. Why, why, why are you so upset about it? Why are you so miffed about it? Why are you so huffy about it? It's really not a big deal. And yet the, these little deals can turn into some major fights, major, major arguments, major separation between you and someone else. But I went anyway. And because I didn't listen when he said, don't go, I didn't listen when he said, stop and take one more look before you cross that road. And when I did that, got hit by a car, totaled my car, it was ridiculous. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there thinking, I cannot believe I did this. I cannot believe. I knew exactly what I had done. All because I was aggravated, offended. Call it what you want. You can try to, to minimize it. You can try to sugarcoat it. You can try to go, you can try to sweeten it up a little bit. But it's offended. No matter what you say, it's offended. You find yourself in this kind of place. It's just offended. 
When blessing is just around the corner, it's just like the devil to try to bring strife into a situation. You know, I have, I have said so many times in the last few years to different people about different situations, listen, don't you, when, there, when there's, there's two, two issues, two people who are having issues, don't you see what the devil is trying to do? He's trying to get you into strife with somebody. He's trying to separate you from somebody. He's trying to stop the blessing in your life. He's trying to stop the plan of God for your life. Don't you see what he's doing? If, you, if you've got good sense, you'll practice some forbearance. And if you don't practice the forbearance, then the opposite is true, right? And you don't have good sense. I'm getting lots of amens here tonight. That's okay. That's okay. James 3.16 says, Where envying and strife is, there is confusion, which I had marked in my Bible, unrest, rebellion, and every evil work. Listen, strife is the open door to a bunch of other stuff. It is an open door to every evil work. You can't use the, the well, I deserve the, to be treated like this. Well, I was justified because after all, they did this to me. and No, no, no those things don't work. None of that's, an ever, none of that's ever going to work. It's not an excuse for you to get to do what you want to do and to not do what you ought to do. It's not an excuse. You know, you say, well, it's just my husband. He'll have to get over it. Well, how about you just getting over it? Well, it's just my kids. They'll have to get over it. No, how about you getting over it? Well, it's just my boss. Well, how about you getting over it? How about you choosing to get over it? You know, that, that song, that, you know, that, that, that kids, kids movie, you know, let it, or, or what is it? Let it go. That's it. Just let it go for Frozen. That's the name of the movie. Let it go for Pete's sake. Is it worth it? No, it's not. Nothing about it is worth it. Is it worth it for you to feel to feel like you just been, you know, I'm just justified in feeling this way, you know? That you can pat yourself on the on the back and say, Well, you know, it's okay. I deserve to be angry with him because of what they did. No. No, it's not. Let it go. Hallelujah. I've got a lot more here. How about rebellion? Rebellion comes in big and small packages. There are people who know what the word clearly says about a situation and absolutely will not do it. It is clear as night and day. Will not do it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, and yet they won't come back to church but just Sunday morning. Sunday morning is all you're going to see them. Won't do it. Just won't do it. Um, small. How about everybody close your eyes while they're giving an invitation and you stand there going, I ain't closing my eyes for nobody. That's rebellion. Rebellion comes in little and big things. Let's lift our hands and praise God. I am not lifting my hands. I don't care what that man says. That's rebellion. It won't kill you to raise your hands. It won't kill you. Rebellion comes in in lots of different forms. Well, he told me to do it this way, but I'm going to do it my way. Well, that's what they're talking about, so I'm just going to do it my way. That's rebellion. 
And as far as I know, over in 1 Samuel, it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Well, that's not company I want to be in. How about disobedience? Rebellion is just I know what to do and I ain't doing it. And disobedience is, is, is really akin to it in, in a lot of ways. You, you, can, you, can, um, you can tell yourself that it's not that big a deal. This, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just going to do this. Not intentionally not listening to your heart. Disobedience will put you at a real bad spot. How about being unteachable? That's an attitude adjustment that needs to happen. Sometimes somebody will get in the pulpit and, well, I don't like them, so, you know, they just turn off, shut down. You can see it. You can feel it sometimes in a service. I've been in services where a certain person, like in some Dad Hagen's meetings, Dad decided not to teach that night. He had somebody else do it, and the whole crowd just went, oh, that's unteachable. Unteachable. When, uh, when uh, Pastor was at Rama, you know, there was somebody, a well-known, worldwide famous uh, minister of the gospel who's, who, who made a statement to the student body one morning that everybody knew was unscriptural. Just, I mean, it just wasn't. It wasn't scriptural. And, and so the whole crowd, he was telling me about this, shut down. And Dad Hagen got on to him later after, in another in another session afterwards, and he said, some of you just just cut that man off. He said, but I decided to keep my heart open. I knew that that wasn't in line with what we teach and, and, and what we believe. He said, but I decided to keep my heart open. And because I did, just a few minutes later, God opened a question to me that I had had for over 20 years and gave me the answer. You know, be teachable. No matter who is in the pulpit, no matter where it comes, be teachable. And God used that man. Yeah, God used that man, you know, to reveal to Dad Hagen what, what he'd been seeking an answer for for all those years. How about disrespectful? You can be disrespectful as a child. You can be disrespectful as a teenager. You can be disrespectful as an adult. You can be disrespectful when you should be respecting somebody who is over you in a particular situation, whether it's at work. You know, I, I've, I've seen my own children. I've, you know, I left home, you know, when, when they, were, they were teens and preteens. And, okay, now, Steve, you're in charge. And, and, and Pastor Greg, you know, was not very respectful. Hey, it's my brother. See, I don't care who it is. Be respectful. I don't care who they are. They deserve, if they're in a position over you of, in some way, they deserve your respect. And you should speak to them respectfully. It's not your, it's not your option to speak to someone in a manner that's disrespectful. I don't care who they are. And I don't care how much you disagree with them. You can be disagreeing without being disagreeable. There is a way. To do that without being disrespectful. How about being dishonorable to somebody? You know, the Bible talks about honor in a lot of different places. And when you choose not to honor somebody the way you should, it's an attitude problem. I'm not going to get nearly finished here. That's okay. How about being unsubmissive? 
kind of goes along with rebellion, goes along with disobedience, goes along with unteachable. It's an attitude problem. James 4, 7, 17 says, For the man who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's sin. Listen, the correct response to God when he's talking to you, no matter how he's talking to you, is yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not in any, why should I? Do I have to? Not with a, you know, there, there are times when my children, they, they knew better than, than to say it, but I could see it on their faces. And so we dealt with attitude that was not spoken, but was revealed. And if you have children, you need to deal with attitude because you're after their heart, not their action. If you've got their heart, their actions will follow. Just a little tidbit there. And see, in, in, any, in any situation, if God's got your heart, your actions will follow. And that's why we have to keep our hearts in a place where they're pure, where they're clean. Stop, stop this nonsense. Stop letting the devil use you as a little puppet just to do what he wants you to do instead of siding in with God. In the account of the prodigal son over in Luke 15, he, his problem was a heart issue. And I don't have time to go into a lot of these tonight like I could have. Over in Judges where it talked about Samson, he had a heart issue. He failed to keep his eyes on God and got them on himself. You know, the Bible talks about don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. You ought to think highly of yourself because you have been bought with a price. You are not your own. And remember this, God has a right to speak into your life because you belong to him. He purchased you at a high price. If you said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God has a right to talk to you about things that need to be corrected. And you need to establish in your heart that he has that right, and you need to establish in your heart that I will correct, Father, what you show me. Don't ignore it and go, oh, I, oh no, 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 I, I didn't see that. No, he knows whether you saw it or not. Jonah didn't obey God and spent three days and three nights in the, in the belly of a whale because he had a heart issue. Peter had to have an attitude adjustment toward Gentiles. That's why God brought that sheet down during that, in that vision and showed him some things. He had to have a heart issue, had a heart change. You know, you talk about bitterness. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, let all bitterness, wrath, and anger be dealt with. It says be kind-hearted, tender, forgiving. A little bit of strife left unchecked will become bitterness. And there are people who live in bitterness all their lives. And when they do that, nothing goes well for them. Everything about their lives turns, what looks good turns into something that's not. I remember somebody who was bitter about their lives, about all the things that had happened in their lives, not recognizing where, where all, the, all the tragedy and things that had happened in their lives had come from. And when somebody they knew was having something in their life going on that was really wonderful, was really a blessing, they were angry at that person. Why? Because bitterness had set in, and they were jealous of the fact that they weren't experiencing that same kind of blessing. 
But the reason they weren't experiencing that same kind of blessing is because they had let bitterness take root in them. You have to dig those things up and get rid of them. Regular heart maintenance is vital. You know, the reason so many people are on statins today is because we have this thing called cholesterol that plug, plugs up you know, the, the arteries in your heart. And you can kind of keep that maintained for a while. And it kind of gets like, it's like sludge in a pipe. You know, it just kind of gets, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the thing about it, one of these days, something will happen. And that little piece of that plaque will break off and it will go down the, the tube, so to speak, and get to a place where it clogs up an artery entirely, heart attack, potentially fatal. Because they didn't deal with it. They didn't do what they needed to to deal with it. Um, there are just things that will hinder the flow of God in your life. Hinder. Hinder. Is that what you want? No. Dad Hagen, um, it was, I, I was, I sat and watched a, um, a video, um, an interview on video being, be, well, that was being done with Pat Harrison, who's Dad Hagen's daughter. And she was talking about how, how Dad would always, always want to check with God on a regular basis to make sure things were, were just as they should have. And this is how she said it. She said, Dad Hagen said, always check with God and make sure you're staying on the path that God called you to and you're still doing what God asked you to do. He says, every year I would go before the Lord with my notebook and my Bible and I would say, I know this is what you told me to do and I believe I'm doing it to the best of my ability. See, some of us know that we can't say that. We're not doing it to the best of our ability. But Dad did. He said, I know I'm, I'm doing it to the best of my ability, but I need to hear from you and know if I'm still on course, if I'm still doing it the way you designed and the way that you desire. And then he would go through a list of things that God had given him to do, assignments that he had given him. And he said, stay. He was talking about to ministers. He was said, stay until you hear from God that you're doing what you need to be doing and know that you don't need any correction and know that you're still fulfilling the purpose and the vision God has given you. Would that not be a wonderful prescription for all of us? Is to at least once a year. At least once a year. You know, and, it, you, and really, it, it really should be a daily commitment to the things that God's put in our heart is to go back to him and always say, Now, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Do I need any correcting? Am I fulfilling the thing that you've put in my life? Listen, so many times we let these things get in our way where we're disobedient, where we're in rebellion because we want what we want and we're not willing to wait for God to bring it to pass in our lives. All you're doing is settling for less than what God intends for you to have. You can have what you want. God, like I said before, God has a right to speak into your life, but you have a choice whether to obey or not. He has a right but you have a choice. And that is what makes us unique. Apart from angels, apart from every other created being, is he gave us the right to choose. But he has a right to speak. 
He has a right to speak. Don't settle for less, ultimately, of what God wants for you to have what you think you want today. Because what you think you want today, if you could get down the road and look back and go, why, what did I do? What, what, why, did, why did I do that? Why did I settle for that? God had something so much better in store for me. See, God's plans can't be outdone. You can't have a better plan than God's got for your life. You may not see it. You may not understand it. It may, it may, it may cause you to have to sacrifice some things now to fulfill the plan he has for you. But if you'll listen and you'll obey, you will have so much more than you can possibly even imagine having. He's got so much more for you. Such a better, a better thing. Don't settle. Don't settle just because of some attitudes. Clean things up. Have a clean and a pure heart. Isn't that what it said over in Psalm 51:10? Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. This is the way for us to have all that God intends for us to have. It's important that as individuals and as a body of believers that we go into 2018 determined to keep our hearts clean, to keep our hearts pure, to keep our hearts open to what God has to say to us. It's for our benefit. It's for our good. That's what he wants for us. Just want the same thing he wants. And be willing to do what he wants you to do. Even if it seems hard, if you just determine, I'm going to do it anyway, the grace of God will come into that situation and will help you and will put you over in such a way that it becomes something easy. It is easy. But you know, you have to keep plucking those hairs out until, until it is easy, until it's smooth again. You know, keep a regular check on things. And don't be offended at me tonight. You know, don't come tell me about it. You know, I'm just telling you what God told me to say. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a horse in this race, so to speak. I do in the sense that I want the best for you, just like Paul did. He wanted the best for those Corinthians. He wanted them to benefit from what he had to say. He wanted them to benefit from what God wanted to do in their lives. That's all I want is I want you to benefit from it. But this is important. I don't know if I got it out there clearly enough. I don't know if I said what God needed me to say exactly the way he wanted me to say. I trust that I did, but I trust that he'll take what I was saying and speak to your heart in a way that will make it clear to you. Because I know this is important. I know that this is something vital for us and for us as individuals and as a church to move on in the things of God. He's got to have us to a place where we're willing and obedient. And that starts in the heart. It finishes in the heart.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.